1: Hello and welcome to a week 16 edition of the quote-unquote expert, quote-unquote roundtable. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm the father of the most very special, beautiful beast in the world, Jerry. And we are recording this at 11.45 a.m. on Friday because America's sharpest hippie, JM, is getting his canoe. He's packing up the banjo. He's getting his ferret, he is uh, getting his patchouli, he is uh, more, more, all of his hemp, and he is traveling tonight. So, J.M., <laughs> tell the people uh, where you're going, what you're doing, what's going on.
2: Uh, you said 11.45. It's 8.45 for me, and I got an hour of sleep, so we'll see how sharp this hippie is this morning. <laughs> uh still waking up a little bit uh i i haven't even taken a shower yet so uh should be fun we're we're like waking up with levitan and and simon our producer this is
1: how we're starting our day to day why did you sleep 1 hour what is wrong with you
2: i, I mean i go to bed at like 6 or 6:30 six in the morning for some reason i was really adamant about us recording this show at a different time so that i could still be on it rather than Having a replacement, I guess I'm just super committed, and uh, I don't know what I was thinking, but here we are. Hey, how about this, though? Christmas decorations are already taken down in my house. How do you feel about that, Adam?
1: What do you mean? It's not even Christmas yet.
2: No. uh, Abby and I have already had our our Christmas day for us. We're flying out today. We won't be back till uh, New Year's, so we're all cleaned up. Christmas tree is is gone. Ornaments are down. Um, It's a new year. We're ready for it.
1: Is that like a hippie thing to celebrate Christmas, not actually on Christmas, but like a <laughs> few days earlier? I don't know.
2: I, we were going to uh her family's house. There's like I don't know how many nieces and nephews I have, eleven, something like that. So Christmas is over once we get there for us. So we had our own little Christmas celebration.
1: Uh I missed the show last week. Um I watched a little bit of UNSTL cards going back and forth, which was good. I am glad to be back. Um Let's get into this week's slate because it's a 12-game slate. Two games, obviously, on Saturday, two games on Monday. So we have a 12-game main slate. In, and I think most exciting is we have a $1,500 millimaker. Maker. Uh, I know it's probably high stakes uh, for most people, but it feels at least like a realistic chance to win a million. So I'm focused on cash as always, but I also have an eye on this 1500 J.M. What do you think about this slate as a whole?
2: I think it's a lot like last week's slate in that there's not a lot of great obvious value. There are a lot of guys we can talk about, but the week will mostly come down to I think which value plays different people end up on and how those value plays perform. There's nothing that really jumps out as a must play on the lower end of the price range. So uh, if ownership congregates too heavily in one spot, it's not necessarily good chalk. Uh, A lot of these spots are pretty similar to one another without any big differentiating factors. So in tournaments, it makes a lot of sense to pay attention to ownership and go with the lower-owned, lower low-priced plays. Um, and then in cash games, we can work through who we think are the actual best plays among these lower-priced guys. But not a lot of value unless you have some things to point out to me that I'm overlooking this week.
1: Yeah, well, we do have some injury situations still to keep an eye on, which we will get to as we move along here. Let's start at the quarterback position where if there is an option below – 6k and I'm not sure if there is I really don't like anything below 6k but if there is an option below 6k I think it's if you go all the way down and when taking price into consideration Drew Stanton at 4,500 in a home game against the Giants I mean Drew Stanton is is hashtag bad um I think that his completion percentage around 50 percent reflects how bad he is uh we have not seen him uh, have any big games when he's gotten chance to start over the last couple years but he's had some reasonable 15 to 17 point games given the week uh, the way it sets up how do you feel about Stanton given that he's 4500
2: yeah I thought about him early on the concern for me is he has set, I think he has 15 starts in his career seven games above 200 passing yards so more than half of his starts have been under 200 passing yards which hey I mean we get that with Cam Newton but Cam Newton's adding 50 60 rushing yards as well I'm surprised you didn't bring up your boy, Andy Dalton, who's just 300 more at 4,800. I don't like either of these guys, but I'm with you that, hey, look, we can get 15 to 18, maybe 20 points from these guys. Um, what well, are you concerned that the Bengals have just mailed it in for the season? Or do you think that you can still get a usable score from Dalton as well?
1: Yeah, I think the matchup between Darius Slay and A.J. Green is a concern. And then after that, it's like, where does Andy Dalton go? You know, Gio Bernard's not going to be playing as much with Mixon back. And, and they obviously, I don't think Croft and I don't think LaFell can really play. They've lost John Ross. They don't play uh, Tyler Boyd. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think the Bengals will bounce back and play better. I'm just not exactly sure how, you know what I mean? But yeah, 4,800 for sure. At least you can get a, a viable NFL quarterback in Andy Dalton rather than Drew Stanton who is a borderline NFL quarterback I don't hate that at all um is there anybody else under 6k you like because I honestly don't see anything
2: no I think quarterback is the most straightforward position this week because we have two guys at the top who are severely underpriced for our expectations for them for floor and ceiling expectations in Cam and Russ it makes it really difficult to justify going down when you think about you know, being able to get 20 to 35 points at 6,800 and compare that to trying to get 15 points at 4,500, it's really tough to justify taking the savings at quarterback this week for me. Uh, I mean, just the fact that we're talking about Stanton and Dalton as the most viable options does a lot. Um, I'm with you. I think we can get 15 points from these cheap guys, but there's a lot of upside we leave on the table if we do that this week.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be scared to go back to Russ after one of the worst performances I've ever seen out of a good team at home in a big game last week. I mean, I could have never predicted in a million years, like that game could be played maybe a hundred times and that outcome happens once. Uh, I assume you're not afraid to go back to Russ. I'm certainly not afraid to go back to Russ. I think a lot of people will be. Um, How do you feel about the matchup with Dallas? And how do you feel about playing Russ in tournaments? It's getting tough to kind of stack him with guys these days considering, uh, Jerry likes Russ, uh, considering Jimmy Graham and and Doug Baldwin have been so up and down.
2: Yeah, we'll get to Doug Baldwin in a bit. I I weirdly really like him this week, and it's more hunch-driven than data-driven. But I just can't see them not getting him more involved in a must-win game. Uh, It's a great matchup against a Dallas team that has allowed the most touchdowns to wide receivers, doesn't defend slot receivers well. So I think we could see that, that, connection get going and yeah i'm not concerned about russ after last week um did you use russ last week
1: i ended up playing ben in cash uh last week but i mean um i think not playing cam in hindsight was a pretty big mistake
2: uh, i was the biggest blake bortles truther of the week last week and then found the salary to make it up to russ so that was that was my week um but yeah no i, I like Russell Wilson has 33 of the Seahawks, 34 touchdowns this year. Like if they score points, it's going to be through Russ. The matchup isn't prohibitive. We're coming off of a division game. I know that it's a new coaching staff, but the Rams have regularly done well against Russell Wilson. Wade Phillips was scheming, you know, against him. You have players who are used to um, teams that are familiar with each other. I'm I'm willing to throw that one out. I actually like Cam a little bit more. The reason I haven't, like, I didn't use Cam in cash games last week. And it's nothing about his ceiling. It's that the last time I used him in cash was the last time they played Tampa, and he got 13 point something points. Like, his floor is lower than we typically want for cash games, but that was seven games ago, and every game since then, he's had at least 15 points. Uh, that was against Minnesota. So I think we can look at at 20 points as a floor for Cam as well uh, with 35-point ceiling. I like Cam a little bit more because of the matchup. Do you have a preference between these two guys?
1: Yeah, and I think you could see Dallas, if they're able to control the football, with Zeke back more, uh, slow the game down to some degree. Um, Yeah, I I mean, Cam is like running literally eight to ten times a game back at those 2015 levels. You just can't match that. But, yeah, I, I like Russ. Uh, a lot as well I think as you go down you can get viable options as well if you think Matt Ryan can show up and put points on the board Drew Brees is certainly solid at 6,500 I think and Phillip Rivers in a funnel-ish spot uh, although the Jets defense has a lot of injuries that I think will be impactful in their rush defense which we have to keep an eye on but uh, Phillip Rivers and Drew Brees stand out to me as kind of also viable cash game plays in the 6k range do you like either of those guys?
2: I do. I also like Bortles among those guys. I mean, right alongside those guys, which is crazy to say, but uh, everything points to him being just as viable of a play as those guys. I think the difficulty I would have in going to them is just that they're priced so close to Cam. Uh, you touched on the just the vast number of carries. It's nine, ten carries. It's That's what you're getting from guys like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara and Theo Riddick. Um, plus, he's getting goal line work than any passing on top of that as a bonus so yeah I I don't think I could justify going away from Cam and Russ when they're both so affordable they both have a good matchup they both have the rushing upside but I think that the other guys who I like are probably in this order Rivers then Bortles then Breeze uh, in that price range as well.
1: I think if you want to go the tournament route you could find big ceilings at lower ownership in Alex Smith in Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady, I think has been a massive struggle the last few weeks, but we know he always has uh, the big ceiling and Alex Smith. um, This Miami defense is just flat out bad. And I think they, the chiefs match up particularly well, Travis Kelsey, which we'll get to uh, against the dolphins uh, tight end defense and Tyree kill against the slowish, Uh, corners of the Dolphins I think both those guys have really good matchups which would make sense for Alex Smith so I think uh, in tournaments I'm interested in Alex Smith and Tom Brady how do you feel about them in any other uh, tournament plays at quarterback? I
2: generally avoid Alex Smith in non-shootouts just because this team gets so conservative if they take a big lead I don't expect Miami to put up points in Arrowhead I think it's 13 straight games now that, that a team teams have failed to go over 20 at Arrowhead So, I'm not as high on Alex Smith. I'm with you on Brady. I'm sure we both expect the Patriots to go run heavy, but Brady can still put up points. Uh, Two other guys, if we're just going to talk upside, one is Deshaun Kaiser, who we should go in fully expecting a five point game, but he can also put up 25 in that Drew Stanton price range. I think that makes sense in tournaments. Uh, And then Matthew Stafford. Here's something crazy about the Lions, right? They can't run the ball. And Uh, Because of that, they ranked first in passing play percentage. Teams that rank second through eighth in passing play percentage all have a losing record. Um, Typically, if you pass that much, it's because you're regularly behind. But the Lions just can't run the ball, and they have a good coaching staff, so they don't try to run the ball. Um, Even against a Cincinnati team that's easier to attack on the ground, I think we still see Stafford throw it a ton. That's been the trend this year. So no reason to go there in cash games, but I think that he also makes sense in tournaments for upside.
1: All right. Anything else? Uh, we went off the board with Kaiser. We went off the board a little bit uh, with Alex Smith and Brady. Anybody else off the board?
2: No, I mean, and then leave all those guys alone and play Cam and Russ this week.
1: <laughs> all right. Let's move to running back where, um, well, let's start let, Let's start with this. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is back from suspension. When he went on suspension, he was 9K. Now he's 8K. Um Tyron Smith is questionable, which I think is a big injury for the Cowboys. Assuming Tyron Smith is able to play, uh, do you consider Zeke underpriced, or do you think he'll be uh, coddled in a bit? I mean, we know Dallas still has a shred of hope left for the playoffs.
2: I do not think he'll be coddled. I also don't think he's underpriced. I think he's appropriately priced. It's kind of tough to gauge, you know, my – my tendency to stay away from guys who don't catch passes Zeke has three catches in his last four games Uh, it's tougher to assess that when a guy's getting 26 carries which he has 26 plus in four straight games so this isn't taking Jordan Howard or Adrian Peterson saying you know 18 15 18 carries and no catches this is 26 carries and no catches so I, I think he's you know fairly priced at 8k I don't have any arguments against that price but I wouldn't call him underpriced, even with the drop in price tag. I just think that this is about where his price should be um, with that many carries again it's tougher to get a gauge on it when you're just talking because people don't get twenty six carries and no catches. Uh, this is a unique situation, but I, I'd say that's about where I would want to put him
1: uh, yeah it's weird you know, he's not inca- he's not incapable in the past game. you know we saw his past game usage really spike earlier in the year, but I think they do like Rod Smith in that role, um, but yeah, I don't think like I know you can't project him for more than one catch or so considering what he's been done, but I don't think like four catches is out of the range of outcomes for Ezekiel Elliott. um, I think the other guy at the top that everybody is excited about is Todd Gurley coming off of a four touchdown game. It's pretty obvious to me that the way you attack the Titans is through the air. I mean, this is one of the premier funnel defenses in the NFL right now. However, uh, Todd Gurley has been absolutely matchup proof given this outrageous receiving role, this outrageous red zone role. Has his price at ninety one hundred gotten too high for a road game uh, against the Titans?
2: I don't want to say yes because he just smashed in in two of the other toughest matchups: Philadelphia and Seattle. I mean, Philadelphia is the only team that's allowed a fewer rushing yards than Tennessee. But I mean, we talk about this ridiculous pass game role. But what three catches last week? Three the week before. Six the week before that, but then four, three. I mean, it's not like this guy's getting Le'Veon Bell workload. So the fact that he's priced in this Le'Veon Bell range 24 touches last week, 16 the week before, 25, but then 21, 18, 17, 18. That's not a $9,100 back. Um, Basically, the way I think the way to view Gurley is based on usage and talent, he can definitely put, I mean, I expect him to put up 16 or 18 points at minimum, but he really needs what like 27 for you to feel good about rostering him right at, at 9,100.
1: Yeah, I, I think his price has gotten, uh, if the matchup was better, I would not be as concerned about his price, but I mean, this has been an awesome, they haven't allowed a hundred yard rusher since uh, week four, even as a team, like no team has run for a hundred yards against them since week four. So I do think we'll see, you know, a more pass heavy game plan from McVeigh, And I think that actually helps Gurley. So yeah, like you, I don't want to poo-poo it. 9100 is extremely expensive, and if we're not punting a quarterback, I think it's going to be hard to fit uh, Todd Gurley in. Okay, you, you've poo-pooed Ezekiel Elliott. You've poo-pooed Todd Gurley. Uh, who are we playing at running back then? Are we playing Kareem Hunt, who we've seen this usage um, spike back up with Matt Nagy calling plays? But if Kansas City happens to play poorly, uh, you're in a tough spot with Kareem Hunt at 8400 We also have the Saints backs in the 8K. Uh, range. We have Melvin Gordon. Uh, we have LaShawn McCoy. Um, none of these guys I feel terribly great about, to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's you know, important to note, I think Zeke's, and I'm sure we both think Zeke and Gurley are going to have good games. Just if we're talking about trying to find underpriced plays, I think, I think Gurley's overpriced for his workload. I think that Zeke is appropriately priced, so there's just not Great value. Uh, You bring up a good point. I mean, since Andy Reid has given up play-calling duties, Kareem Hunt's usage has spiked. So I think that that's a trend we can look to. I also think, uh, you know, you have an element here where the Chiefs, if they win this game, they lock up their division. If they lock up their division, they probably can't change their playoff seating in Week 17. So it's a good opportunity to go all out and make sure they get a win in this one, even if that means riding Kareem Hunt because they can rest him in week 17 if they take down this game. So I like Hunt. I think that we can bank on 25 plus touches again. Um, And then Kamara and Ingram, I won't ever argue against. I think that Ingram or Kamara in particular against Falcons team that's allowed the most receptions to running backs is really interesting. So that's kind of Hunt and Kamara is where I'm leaning over Gurley and Zeke. Um, And then I'd be fine with Ingram. I'd be fine with McCoy I'd be fine with Gordon I'd be fine with Fournette I'd be fine with Zeke I'd be fine with Gurley but um I think that I actually think Hunt and Kamara are the best plays up there
1: yeah when these two teams met just two weeks ago the Saints and the Falcons Kamara was on his way to a massive game he had like four catches on his first like six snaps or something before getting knocked out um so absurd and yeah the Falcons just funnel all their pass catching uh to running backs so I you know it's so hard for me to pull the trigger on Kamara in cash but Uh, He's certainly uh, a strong play brought up Melvin Gordon. Uh, He's down at 7,200 and certainly the matchup uh, is not ideal against the Jets. I mentioned they do have some injuries that we need to watch, but I think Austin Eckler uh, might not be able to play on offense due to his broken hand. they still do have Brandon Oliver on the roster, but Melvin Gordon, I mean, quietly has touched the ball like 23 or more times in four straight games. I mean uh, this is a pretty good spot, I think for Melvin Gordon. And then as we go down, Uh, A little bit further, let's talk about Kenyon Drake, who's had this absurd role. Uh, However, now you go to Arrowhead. As you mentioned, Chiefs have not given up more than 20 points in forever in Arrowhead. Um, And Damian Williams might be back. I think we could see Damian Williams siphon off maybe five to eight touches from Kenyon Drake. Uh, Are we completely off Drake now at 7,100?
2: I'd be fine with him. Um, There's a lot of that going around, I guess. There's a lot of these guys that I don't have a strong argument against, but they're just not compelling enough for me to want to play them. Drake, I think we see him, if Damian Williams comes back, I think we see Drake in the 16 to 22 touch range instead of the 22 to 30 touch range. That seems to be where Adam Gase wants to keep him. Gase has said they've been giving him more touches than they want to. So if Williams comes back, we've been playing Drake to bet on the volume. He's been getting this – Almost Le'Veon Bell type workload, and that will disappear. The matchup's fine. Um, he's a little overpriced. If Damian Williams comes back, if Williams is out, I like Drake quite a bit, just because who else is going to get these five, six catches plus you know eighteen to twenty carries in that price range?
1: Uh, speaking of a lot of catches at the at the running back position, Christian McCaffrey uh, continues to be used even more and more as a wideout. Back to back games with fifteen. Um, roots run from the wide out position I mean it's just a ton of work in that area certainly a good matchup against Tampa's banged up defense and really just bad linebackers they've had all year like uh, mostly due to injury Um, we haven't been playing Christian McCaffrey a lot because of a lack of volume it is coming up a little bit now though do you have interest in him at 6400
2: yeah I'm weirdly interested in the pass catching backs this week McCaffrey and Kamara Are standing out to me, it's kind of this week to take on strange volume, taking on uh, Cam or Russ because of their running ability, taking on these running backs because of their receiving ability. Uh, I just really like the spot for McCaffrey. This is a must-win game for the Panthers. They've been riding McCaffrey more and more lately. Uh, His floor is just really high for the price tag. When you look at the floor expectations on some of these higher-priced guys, most of them are around 13, 14 points. In their bad games, McCaffrey's around 11 or 12 in his bad game. So I didn't get this price drop uh, with similar upside to what these other guys have. Um, I mean, look, if Zeke gets a 30-point game, McCaffrey's not going to match that. But he can easily get you 20 to 24 points. I like him a lot uh, at that $6,400 price tag.
1: A couple thinner plays. I think Joe Mixon will be back. And I think the Bengals just can't wait to put Gio Bernard back in, like, a strict kind of smallish pass game role and feature Mixon, again, the problem is they still have this atrocious offensive line. They still have uh, Marvin Lewis on his way out. I'm not sure we can necessarily trust Mixon to be efficient. I do think that you'll get 15 to 20 touches at 5,100, which is a lot. We also have Theo Riddick, who, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, is practicing in full with his wrist issue. Uh, Looks like he'll be out there as the starter. We've seen Amir Abdullah's role get shrunk to almost nothing. Tyon Green uh, is the complement to Theo Riddick. How do you feel? about those 4k guys and I'll throw Mike Davis in there too who I really liked last week and just never had a chance because of the way the game went but Mike Davis I think remains the feature back Theo Riddick remains the starter and Joe Mixon uh, the feature back all in the 5100 and under range
2: yeah and CJ Anderson too at 5500 needs to be thrown in there with uh, rising snap counts I mean he's still not seeing enough snaps to to uh, prop up, you know, 30 touches, but um, he should be a lock for around 20 touches and a good matchup against Washington. Um, Mixon I want to like a lot for the reasons you said. He should get the touches. The matchup's tremendous. Uh, obviously, there's the concern that, um, you know, like you said, the offensive line is not great. Maybe Mixon only gets 15 touches. Um, there's just a lot of question marks on the Cincinnati team. So I like Mixon on paper. Obviously, you have to account for these other elements. Uh, Riddick, I like a lot. Um, Again, the Lions pass the ball quite a bit. The Bengals are a top-five team against wide receivers. Bottom five against pass-catching running backs, bottom ten against tight ends. I mean, that's where they push targets. It's not about talent. It's about scheme. So, I mean, no matter what, you see running backs and tight ends get targets against them. And like you said, Riddick is on the field. I mean, two weeks ago, there were whispers that Amir Abdullah was healthy and he was still a scratch. Last week he hardly played at all. So I think that we're seeing basically a similar workload for Riddick to what you're getting from McCaffrey or Kamara. You're going to get about eight to ten carries and five or six catches. Um, So obviously the talent is not the same as it is on those guys, but I think Riddick makes a lot of sense this week in cash games and tournaments at 4,700. And then, yeah, I'm with you on Mike Davis – you know, lead back, hopefully it's 15 to 18 carries, a couple catches. Um, I think in tournaments, Isaiah Crowell is worth mentioning, too, on this this lower end of the price range.
1: On the injury front, we should mention that the Redskins, who were already without, like, three of their backs who are on IR, then P Ryan pulls up with a groin injury during Thursday's practice. Now they are down to just two healthy backs. I don't know if Ryan's going to play or not. Like I said, we're recording this uh, in the afternoon on Friday. Uh, If P. Ryan is out, though, they will be down to Capri Bibbs, uh, the former Colorado State star who was cut uh, by the Broncos in the 49ers, spent most of the year on the street, and LaShawn Daniels, who they called up off the practice squad a few weeks ago. Um, Capri Bibbs played well last week, I think opened some eyes, Uh, 3,500. If P. Ryan is ruled out, uh, how much interest do you have in Capri Bibbs?
2: Not much, I wouldn't have had interest in P Ryan at forty three hundred. It's just a really tough matchup. I mean, we can make the same case for Elijah Penny this week. He's going to see fifteen eighteen carries um, you're assuming
1: Kerwin is out.
2: yeah, I mean, I'm assuming Kerwin Williams is out but um but yeah, I mean it, like the volume still has to be backed up by uh, you know an opportunity for some points. I think it'll be tough for bibs or daniels to come by points against this denver run defense that i haven't been using running backs against anyway it, it's interesting just because value is thin so if you could get 10 or 12 points that's not a bad way to go but you're still ultimately looking for 20 points from from these cheaper guys or guys who you think can get you 20 points i don't think those guys can get me 20 points this week
1: anybody else at the running back position
2: uh do you have any thoughts on cj anderson i mean do you think this workload is fluky one of them came in a loss three weeks ago he still had 19 touches
1: um i'm afraid that going on the road with paxton lynch is just like asking to have the most inefficient offense ever um especially when you're coming across the country to the east coast especially when you're already out of the playoff hunt like i don't really want to invest in in broncos this week i don't think
2: that's a good point yeah I'll, i'll side with you on that one
1: um all right nothing else at running back No, nothing else a running back. All right, I think we need to start the wide receiver conversation in Tampa Bay because we have matchup, injury, and price considerations all going in these guys' favor. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is almost certainly out. O.J. Howard is out. Um, We saw when Chris Godwin had a chance in Week 10 when Mike Evans was suspended. He played on 69 out of 71 snaps, caught five balls for 68 yards on 10 targets. Uh, Fellow Penn State alumnus uh, Chris Godwin has a ton of talent. Um, he is stone minimum three K. I haven't had a chance to say that very often this season. Um, we'll talk about Mike Evans in a second, but how much interest do you have uh, in Godwin in this spot?
2: I have quite a bit of interest, uh, with some caution. I mean, basically, Godwin is a Mike Evans type player. And the last time he played, he was playing in Mike Evans' role, so it's a little bit different this week with him taking over for Deshaun Jackson. Um, bring some more uncertainty into the equation, but I do think that we'll see six to eight targets in a good matchup at 3K.
1: Yeah. Um, You froze a little bit there, but we can keep going. Um, Mike Evans, I think, is like, if this game was in Tampa, I would be like, let's get it all in on Mike Evans. I'm afraid that the Bucs can go to Carolina and kind of get overwhelmed in a lost season for them. But on paper, I mean, the way that you um, beat Carolina is for sure through the wideout position. I mean, they're awesome against tight ends. They're awesome against running backs. They've been getting absolutely abused by perimeter wide receivers. Mike Evans is the cheapest he's been since October of 2014. The Bucs are talking about uh, throwing more jump balls to Mike Evans if he didn't have uh, two offensive pass interference. Uh, calls last week his line would have been huge I mean tell me I am crazy uh, for being so excited about a guy who has zero 100 yard games all year
2: I wouldn't say crazy I'm not quite with you on it I mean this is still a guy who's going to get tackled the moment he catches the ball Uh, last time I looked I think he was averaging 0.64 yards uh, after catch per catch like 0.64 it's just ridiculous uh, and he's in the same price range as other guys to like. I mean, Jarvis Landry is always an excellent cash game play, especially facing Steven Nelson in the slot at Arrowhead. Um, Robert Woods saw 33% of Goff's throws last week. Um, if they throw it 35 times, you know, we should expect eight to 10 targets for Woods. Um, in tournaments, Marvin Jones and Josh Gordon are appealing. Doug Baldwin's appealing. So there are a lot of different ways you could go with this price range. I don't think that Evans is a must play. I think he's in the conversation. I probably like Landry a little bit more in cash games and guys like Josh Gordon and Tyree kill a little bit more in attorneys, just because these guys can do something with the ball in their hands. Um, But if, if Evans gets like, I think a bad game from Evans is going to be 12, 13, 14 points. I think that you can bank on that. Um, You know, the targets have also been a concern lately, but I, I expect that to spike back up with Deshaun Jackson out OJ Howard out. So if he gets eight to 10 targets, I don't see a way that he falls short of 13 or 14 points. Um, I just think some of these other guys are a little little safer with a little higher upside.
1: You mentioned Robert Woods. I think he stands out as a player. I already mentioned how you play against Tennessee. I mean, so funnelish. And Robert Woods is just for sure the featured player um, for Jared Goff in this explosive offense. If we keep going down a bit, you mentioned the Lions guys so I think um are interesting let's talk about the Jaguars guys now Marquise Lee uh is not going to play Uh, Alan Hearns might be back which is interesting I don't think they'll like immediately throw Alan Hearns into a big role considering how much time he's missed but he could operate as maybe the number two slash three certainly Didi the number one and Keelan Cole has played so well Uh, I don't see how you take him off the field so Keelan Cole is 4,700 Didi is 61. What do you think about those guys in a really good matchup against San Francisco?
2: Yeah, are you what are you hearing about uh Cole? I mean, are people interested in him this week, or do you think he's going to go somewhat overlooked?
1: No, I think people are interested. I think probably I think I have him around you know 13, 14, 15 percent.
2: Okay, uh, yeah, I mean, the the first conclusion you jump to is just that it's point chasing to go after. This unknown guy who's posted three straight huge games is only 4,700. But realistically, I mean, when you look at what he's done, what was it, six? I think six catches for 148 yards across two games. Six catches, 148, two touchdowns on only six targets. Um, and then last week he put up, what, 186 yards. I mean, this guy is playing extraordinarily well, saw nine targets last week. And, you know, like you said, Marquise Lee is going to be off the field. Keelan Cole's already been seeing 50 snaps a game. It's just that Lee and then Dee have been the main guys for Bortles to look to. Um, I think that Hearns is still a little bit hobbled. I mean, I think they're rushing him back quickly to have an extra body on the field. So I'm not expecting him to put a huge dent in Cole's workload, and I'm, I'm actually seeing target expectations pretty similar between Didi and Cole. Um, I think it's interesting that PFF has Cole rated out as a better player than Didi this year by a pretty substantial margin. Cole has shown more upside, so I'm actually leaning Cole if just taking one of these guys. With that said, uh, I've messed around with cash game constructions that have both of them. I mean, I think they're both underpriced. I think that they're both going to see seven to ten targets. So, um, I, mean, I mean, they're taking on a San Francisco team that's fastest-paced team, allows the fourth-most opponent plays, a lot of opportunity here. So I think that you can use either of these guys and feel good about it.
1: Yeah, and we should also note that San Francisco has been lights out against the run since they got Ruben Foster back. I mean, one of the best run defenses in the league over the last month or so, Um, not giving up um, much at all. So I think you will see another passing uh, heavy attack from the Jaguars, assuming that Jimmy Garoppolo can do something against the Jaguars defense, which probably is a big assumption. Uh, Another kind of cheap guy that I think people are talking about is Kendall Wright. Um, I haven't played him once uh 23 targets though over the last two weeks and his 3,800 people are going to latch on to that they're very low a dot targets he's not really a red zone threat but um do you have any interest in Kendall Wright
2: yeah I do obviously I'm looking to find a way to go elsewhere just because same concerns as you it's, it seems like a low upside play if he drops down to five or six targets this week you could end up with with six points from him um I think it's encouraging that he saw, uh, what was it, 11 targets and 10 catches in a blowout win against Cincinnati. Um, it's encouraging that Trubisky's thrown the ball at least 30 times in every game outside of that uh, weird one against San Francisco where the Bears just didn't have the ball. I think other than that, it's like seven straight games that he's thrown it 30 times. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Wright's definitely there with with how thin value is this week. Um, Obviously, there are concerns just that if the targets do drop, this is not a high upside play. Um, but, you know, as, as Silva mentioned in his matchups column, this Greg Williams defense leaves the middle of the field wide open quite a bit with their blitz heavy scheme. So I think that it makes sense to go to Kendall Wright. It's not sexy. It won't feel good. But I, I expect another good game from him.
1: Um... Last week's hero for a lot of people was Demary Bird. Somehow only saw four targets, scored two touchdowns at 5'9", 170. I was so tilted. Um, I'm not going back to Demary Bird. It is a good matchup. Uh, Are you? No, I mean, he
2: had four targets. If Funchess misses this week with the shoulder, which doesn't seem likely, but if he does, then I'll have some interest in him as the number three option in this passing attack behind Greg Olson, behind Christian McCaffrey. but. Uh, currently he's a number four option it's just not a place that I'm wanting to look
1: all right let's move up to the 7k range because I think there's some interesting plays here that I want to be on I will start with Keenan Allen who has an amazing matchup against the Jets must win game for the Chargers kind of already mentioned the funnelish nature of the of the Jets defense I mean Keenan Allen left last week's game early with his back issue so I assume he'd be at least limited this week he's not even on the injury report I don't know what happened to him last week, why he left early, but he seems perfectly fine now. I think Keenan at 7,700 has the highest target projection on this entire slate. And then right behind him, we have Michael Thomas. And right above him, we have Julio Jones. Um, do you have a preference of those three and how much you you prioritizing getting them into your lineup?
2: I have a strong preference for Keenan Allen. I am prioritizing getting him into my lineup. And having to make tough decisions on whether I want to pay up there or pay up at running back. Um, right now, I'm leaning toward paying up for Keenan Allen. Um, you know, his these eight targets in, in these last two games have taken in context. Um, that's still eight targets, and one of them he left the game early. The other one, the char—I mean, he hardly played in the fourth quarter with a, a huge blowout win for the Chargers. Um, so yeah, I mean, there there are there's every reason to expect him to see. Um, 12 13 targets again obviously there's some concern that Bryce Petty won't be able to do much on the other side but I think that we still see him get up to double digit looks after that it would be Michael Thomas for me who is just the highest floor wide receiver in the NFL this year outside of Antonio Brown and DeAndre Hopkins Um, and then Julio Jones would be pretty far behind those guys given uh, what he has one game this year that has really justified his salary and has a tough match against Marshawn Lattimore.
1: Uh, If Chris Hogan misses, I think people are going to be on Brandon Cooks. Uh, I think the way you beat the Bills is pretty obviously on the ground that Brandon Cooks uh, is not underpriced um, at 7K, but we know he has a big ceiling. Uh, I think if Hogan plays, we can pretty comfortably not play Cooks, right? But if Hogan is ruled out, uh, how do you feel about Cooks?
2: I haven't really been going to Cooks. I mean, we're still seeing seven to eight targets. He has eight red zone targets. All season. I mean, we're 14 games in. That is extremely low for a number one wide receiver. He can score on long touchdowns, but um, if I'm paying 7K for a wide receiver, I want a much higher floor. So I'm not saying that Cooks can't have a good game, but there's no reason to pay 7K in my mind for um, a floor that is where Cooks' floor is.
1: Only guy that we haven't mentioned. Oh, actually, before I go on on this one, I wanted to get your Doug Baldwin take because I think pairing russ with someone like i'm interested in playing russ um in the 1500 but i'm not sure about stacking him with doug baldwin i understand dallas has been flamed by slot receivers um we've also seen just like really low target floor from doug baldwin um how do you feel about him at 6300 versus maybe playing russ naked
2: Yeah, Daryl Bevel's just the worst, isn't he? Uh, There's there's no cause for Doug Baldwin to be seeing three targets, four targets, six targets. Um, He hasn't topped six targets since week nine, uh, which is absolutely absurd, especially when you have uh, a guy in Paul Richardson who has seven targets in three of his last four games. Uh, I believe he's caught 11 of his last 25 targets. So, yeah, like give the ball to Doug Baldwin – uh, it just kind of seems like the sort of spot where he's going to break out. If you look at his game logs, all these double-digit point games without the targets being there, if if he ends up seeing one of these 12 or 14 target games, which come randomly for Doug Baldwin. It happened last year. happened the year before. If he sees one of those games, he's probably going to put up, what, 25 to 33 points. So in tournaments, I like it a lot. I think that you could take the same roster – put Jarvis Landry on and then cash games and Doug Baldwin on in tourneys and feel pretty good about it. I think that's how I would play it with a Russell Wilson team um, is throw Landry in there as, as one of the best cash game plays at 6,300 and pivot over to Baldwin and GPPs.
1: The guy I was going to mention kind uh, of off the board, maybe for considering he saw like 16 targets last week, but Sterling Shepard continues to be featured. I think people will be uh, shy away from him because Patrick Peterson, blah, blah, blah. But, uh sterling shepherd runs 83 percent of his routes from the slot position and patrick peterson will not go in there yeah it's not a great matchup against tyron matthew but uh sterling shepherd and evan ingram who we'll get to in a second are all that eli manning really has capable uh, of throwing to i guess you could throw to roger lewis too i have gotten some questions on robert roger lewis this week i uh, will almost certainly not be going there but sterling shepherd i think is overpriced which will lower his ownership uh, also at 6600 right
2: yeah, I think that we'll see lower ownership because of the Patrick Peterson concerns and because of the price. Um, I'm not too concerned about the matchup. Like you said, it's, it's not above average, but it is the best matchup uh, against the Cardinals with, with 84% of it or 83% of his routes coming in the slot. Uh, Tremond Williams and Patrick Peterson absolutely shutting down the outside. Uh, I'm with you on Roger Lewis. I I just think that when you have you know Patrick Peterson and, and Tremont Williams are both top 15 in, in yards allowed per coverage snap, receptions allowed per coverage snap. Uh, just a really tough matchup on the outside. I, uh, I'm just concerned with, with Shepard that his targets have been all over the place. If the targets are there, great play. Um, the guy who's kind of off the board for me is Devontae Parker. Obviously concerned about his ankle, but as I brought up last week – uh, outside of games against New England where they were scheming him away and a game against Denver, he's seen eight targets or more in every healthy game. 4,200 uh, for a guy who is talented and saw 12 targets last week. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to go to Devontae Parker in tournaments this week.
1: Let's move to the tight end position. And one way to open up a lot of space on your roster is by playing a literally dead dude, like a dude who is 37 years old and can't move. However, With Hunter Henry out, uh, the Chargers almost have no chance but to play, no choice but to play Antonio Gates, maybe 50, 60% of the snaps, certainly third down and red zone work. Uh, I wouldn't consider Antonio Gates at like 3,500. At 2,500, it opens up a ton. You have almost no chance of getting 20 DK points from him, but you could get 10 to 12 at 2,500, and that would look pretty good. So uh, I really don't want to play it, but. Uh, tell me what you think about Antonio Gates.
2: I think in order for him to get 10 to 12, you would need a red zone touchdown, right? Yeah, I mean, probably. he could get that, but you're basically looking at a floor of, of three or four, if he doesn't score um, with a ceiling of maybe 12, if he does, that would be really rough for me. Uh, I'd have more interest in Cameron Brate for just 800 more. I don't love Brate cause the matchup's not great, but He and Howard combined for six catches for 80 yards against Carolina the last time they played. And uh, Eric Ebron, who I don't think either of us have rostered this year, but he's been getting a lot more involved. I think it's 21 targets across the last two weeks. And, again, Cincinnati just filters targets to the running backs and tight ends. They don't allow targets to wide receivers. Um, And, you know, given that Jim Bob Cooter has adjusted this offense to be pass heavy in spite of the fact that they're usually playing with the lead. I can also see him calling plays for Ebron, calling plays for the running backs this week, in spite of the fact that they normally go wide receiver first.
1: Oh, God. Well, I mean, if we're not saving – we're not saving a quarterback and we're not saving a tight end, we're, we're going to be in uh, – we are playing a salary cap game here, JM. Let's move up.
2: I mean, what's 3,700, right? You want to play Antonio Gates at 25. I th- no, no. <laughs>
1: Do not say that. I do not want to play Antonio Gates. Um, Okay, let's keep moving up here. I think there are some interesting options in the mid-range. We have Evan Ingram, 5,600. Greg Olson, 5,200. Delaney Walker, 4,900. Jimmy Graham, 4,700. I think Greg Olson's usage the last two weeks has been massive. Uh, I mean, playing almost 100% of snaps back to a featured role. Remember, this is a guy with you know, three straight seasons of 1,000-plus yards from Cam Newton. Uh, I think that Greg Olson should be priced around 6K. He's 5,200. Small underpricing there. I think not like last week's 4K tag, of course, but 5,200. Certainly interesting. And Delaney Walker continues to play uh, a big role for Marcus Mariota. Uh, Jimmy Graham's usage is on the decline. Evan Ingram is just a good player uh, in a condensed market share situation. Um, How much interest do you have in that tier?
2: I would go Ingram first, uh, then Olsen and Delaney. Uh, And I'm not too interested in Jimmy Graham just because it's such a touchdown or bust play right now. Um, Obviously, he could get you two touchdowns, but as we've seen the last two weeks, he can really hurt your roster if he doesn't score. Um, Delaney and Olsen are kind of a bet on volume over matchup uh, situation. But Greg Olsen had a tough matchup last week. The Packers have been really good against tight ends this year. So if the targets are there, I'm not concerned. The one concern, obviously, is that Tampa has allowed the 10th fewest receptions to tight ends and the most receptions to wide receivers. So if Jameis allows, or if uh, if Cam allows that to dictate where he looks, obviously we could see Olsen with only four or five targets. Um, do you think that he's going to just lock on to Olsen regardless, or um, do you think we should be concerned about volume a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think Funches just isn't good, right? Like, um, I hate to make talent declarations, but Devin Funches is just like, um, had major concerns about him from the draft community coming out. Like, I don't think he's a true number one receiver that you funnel offense through. So, yeah, I think Cam considers McCaffrey and Olsen his safest uh, bets. I mean, we've seen Funches, even with Kevin Benjamin gone, not get a ton of targets. So, you know, Demary Bird, whatever, Funches, whatever, you're down to Olsen and and uh, McCaffrey. So, I, I do like Olsen um, once again. Um, ideally, I don't know if we have the money at this point, but ideally, I would like to play. Travis Kelsey or Rob Gronkowski. And I actually think that from an ownership perspective, considering the game Gronkowski had last week versus the game Kelsey had last week, Kelsey would be the far better play uh, in tournaments. I mean, Miami doesn't get the same rap as the Browns or Giants or Broncos or whatever, but this Miami team is very bad against the tight end position. Travis Kelsey has a history of bouncing back after bad games. uh, We mentioned this is a must win for the Chiefs. Uh, To clinch the division, I I mean, Travis Kelsey sticks out to me as an awesome play, uh, particularly in tournaments.
2: Yeah, I think Kelsey and Gronk. I mean, Gronk's matchup really isn't too far behind Kelsey's. I think that the Bills have allowed four fewer catches to tight ends and like 15 fewer yards, something like that. Um, It's almost the same matchup. Gronk does get more uh, reliable targets, but the Bills have allowed only three touchdowns to tight ends while the Dolphins have allowed eight The Bills have also allowed only 11 passing touchdowns all year. So I'm leaning slightly toward Kelsey. I'm totally fine with either. Uh, I mean, both these guys are the best tight end plays on the slate. Both these guys are probably slightly underpriced for our expectations for them. It's just the difficulty of paying up. I mean, there's just not a lot to love. Among cheaper guys, as we typically talk about, tight end is one position where you can usually find some underpriced guys. So I'll have a hard time actually carving out salary to get those guys in. But, yeah, I mean, either of those guys or or Ingram could all put up 20-plus points. Um, If you can make it up to them and feel good about other spots, I definitely love the idea of playing those guys.
1: Yeah, I think from a general, like, uh, GPP strategy perspective, like giving yourself a chance to get a 30 ball at tight end when everybody else is, like, punting and scraping to get 10 or 12 or whatever uh, gives you a big leg up, obviously. Uh, they have to come through for you because the rest of your roster is going to be compromised severely. Uh, I'm going to look more at at Ebron because I haven't seen a real role change in him. Obviously we've seen a target share change, but I haven't seen a a usage change in terms of snaps or roots run or anything like that. So I'm so scared to go back to this guy at 3,700 and get like a, a three target game, you know what I mean? Um, but he certainly, I think, makes sense if you are going cheap given the way he's been used lately. One other guy off the board we didn't mention, or two other guys we didn't mention off the board, Vernon Davis uh, in a really good matchup with Denver um, and Austin Hooper at 3,100 um, has seen wildly low targets, but at least Austin We love Hooper. Austin Hooper. Yeah, dude's just like, he's athletic. It's too early in the morning talking about Austin Hooper. It's, he, he's at, he's athletic and like he's 500 more than Gates, you know, Like, and he could be in a shootout, you know, it's just like, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel here, but any interest in Vernon at all? Uh,
2: I mean, yeah, Hooper's been outscored by Ebron in five straight games, so yeah. there's that. Um, yeah, uh, Vernon Davis, it, it's, the matchup it can't get much better against a team that's poor against tight ends and tremendous against wide receivers. They funnel targets to tight ends. But Vernon Davis has just done nothing lately, so I would be a little concerned to go there. Obviously, you can bet on ceiling in tournaments, but floor is going to be a thin proposition there. I mean, tight end is really ugly this week. I I like what you said about if you do get those 26 to 30 points from Gronk or Kelsey and everybody else has 8, 10, 12 points, I mean, if you can pick good plays at other spots that also perform, you'll be in great shape compared to the field. It's just – you know. Where are you going to pay up this week is the big question.
1: Yeah, I mean, playing like old guys like Gates, or you mentioned, you, we didn't mention Larry Fitzgerald or, you know, Vernon Davis or whatever, like playing old guys in week 16, especially when their team's already been eliminated, um, would scare me a lot. All right, let's move to defense. Um, I think that there are a bunch of defenses in play. The Jaguars always start the conversation. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has played awesome lately. The Jaguars are 3,900. I think you can make a case between them, uh, the Chargers, the Bears, maybe the Redskins. I think those are all uh, at the top. Does any one of those stick out to you?
2: Yeah, I would, I would go Chargers first just because they've been so reliable this year and Bryce Petty is so reliably bad. I would go Bears second because Uh, same thing I mean Bears have a good defense Uh, I believe they're sixth in adjusted sack rate Kaiser has taken the most sacks Turned the ball over more than any other player in football so I think those are the two places where you can lock in the most points and and then I'm fine with um, either of the other ones you mentioned the Jaguars the Redskins those are all good plays Uh, Kansas City as well at home against Miami Kansas City has been playing better on defense lately and obviously Jay Cutler is good for turnovers Um, speaking of the Jags just want to toss this out there real quickly. One guy on the 49ers I could see having a good game is Marquise Goodwin. I think that he's viable in tournaments. Uh, speed receivers have had some good games against Jacksonville uh, compared to expectations against them. So with this price drop down to 5200, I think that's a tournament play that we we overlooked earlier.
1: Yeah, we also didn't uh, mention too much Josh Gordon. You mentioned the Bears have a good defense. They have not been like lights out against. Uh, number one wide receivers lately I mean Josh Gordon's air yards are out of control like he's seeing like league high air yards per game since he's been back Uh, I think Josh Gordon is an awesome tournament play obviously you're exposing yourself to Deshaun Kaiser and Hugh Jackson uh, which is scary but how do you feel about Josh Gordon?
2: Yeah I I love Josh Gordon in tournaments this week Um, there was the game two weeks ago where he and Corey Coleman each had six targets, but the other two games, Gordon has 21, Coleman has eight. Um, I used Coleman in cash games last week. I was on the fence about it, and then in one of your articles, you had put him on your cash game list, and I was like, well,
1: uh, Adam's I, Adams, there, I'm there. <laughs> but I had Nelson Aguilar. I had Nelson Aguilar on there, and that's who I ended up playing. So. I
2: know. I Actually, I expected Coleman to see more targets than I expected from Aguilar, so that was – uh, big mistake on my part, um, but yeah, no, I think that we're we're gonna see this. I mean, Coleman is not. This is not a Amari Crabtree situation. This is not a demarius Emmanuel Sanders situation, uh, where two guys are getting a bunch of targets. This is Josh Gordon getting a bunch of targets, and then other guys are fighting for scraps. So just betting on his talent, like you said, Chicago is. Uh, average to slightly below average against number one receivers uh they ranked 24th in dboa against number one receivers so i like gordon quite a bit in tournaments
1: a couple other defenses um i mentioned i was somewhat scared that the bucks are just going to go into carolina and get overwhelmed in this really big game for the panthers i think their defense is certainly in play against Jameis. it might give you some leverage against high-owned chris godwin against high-owned mike evans whatever um I think the Lions, if you think that the Bengals are just completely done, uh, the Lions are okay at 2,900. And the Saints too. Like I always want to be low on the Falcons in general. Um, And I think that uh, the Saints, when playing at home, uh, we've seen mistakes from Matt Ryan plenty. So I think those are uh, some cheaper options. Do you have any cheap defenses you like?
2: No, I really like the Lions call. I think that's a good one. I think that Obviously defensive touchdowns are fluky, but one thing that we see um, is teams that get defensive touchdowns tend to get defensive touchdowns. It's a style of play. It is an aggressiveness. It's, um, you know, taking chances on loose balls, on, um, you know, jump balls. And we saw it with New Orleans a few years ago. We've seen it a couple times with Philadelphia, just these defenses that can pile up touchdowns. So I think that Detroit, against Andy Dalton against the Cincinnati team that seems to have mailed it in. I think the Detroit makes a lot of sense. I like that call.
1: Let's move to the stacks. The, uh, the people, they just fast forward all the way to the end of this. And then they, they see what stacks we say in the segment and they just go out there and they play them and, and they lose all the money or they win all the money. One or the other, I'm not sure, but the people need their stacks. We're going to give them one uh, conservative stack or chalky stack and one contrarian stack. Uh, JM, why don't you go first?
2: I will go with uh, one of my favorite stacks in cash games and tournaments. And that is Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey outside of Jonathan Stewart, who typically only gets about 30 to 40 yards on the ground. Uh, hopefully he doesn't score this week. If, if he doesn't score, you basically expose yourself to all of the Panthers yards, all of the Panthers points that way uh, in a game where we expect them to put up a lot of points.
1: Uh, For my conservative stack, I don't think you can find a much higher floor than Drew Brees to Michael Thomas. I mean, uh, this dude gets eight targets at a minimum every single game. And Drew Brees, although his ceiling isn't as high as it's been in the past when they had this atrocious defense, um, I think his floor remains really high. So uh, in a game where if you think that the Falcons can go in there and play well and put up points, you could find a ceiling game from Brees and Michael Thomas. But uh, I think it's just, you know, you're know you going to get a lot of work from Michael Thomas and Drew Brees is going to see his 30 to 35 attempts and, and be efficient with them.
2: Uh, I'm going to go for something off the board with a Blake Bortles, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook stack in tournaments. I think that Bortles is going to go overlooked because of the price jump. Uh, he is still a guy who can get you 25-plus points in this good matchup. And most of his throws should go to these two guys. So there's a chance that you could put up a 60-burger a by stacking these three guys together. Uh, I like that in tournaments.
1: All right, for my contrarian stack, I'm going to go with a guy I almost never go with. Um, but it's the first time for everything. It is Christmas. Maybe it'll be a miracle. It'll be Alex Smith to Travis Kelsey. Um, God, I mean, Alex Smith is 6,600. Nobody's going to play him. Uh, at that price but I think a lot of people are going to play Kareem Hunt so you can create a lot of leverage by hoping that all of the touchdowns that the Chiefs score and I think they will score a lot of touchdowns in this game against Miami come through the air or through Alex Smith's legs such a good matchup for Travis Kelsey who uh, I really like in this spot all right that is going to do it for a very special holiday edition post-holiday the expert (laughs) (laughs) The quote-unquote expert, quote-unquote roundtable. JM has his banjo. He has his canoe. He is taking off for the weekend. I am staying here to actually work, uh, but I hope all of you have a very Merry Christmas and you run hot on Sunday slash Monday for the mini slate and the main slate. For Jerry, for JM, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.